This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Whoever is watching, because I didn't give a share yesterday, so this is the share for Torah Anytime this week. So, I wrote a, we wrote a book, myself and Rabbi Finkelman, on Kibbutz of Aim, a lesson a day. It's definitely a safer that will change the lives of many people and will bring children close to their parents and parents close to their children. So what we do is, like we did on the other book, every day we sell a dedication, which means that, thank you very much, which means that you could dedicate that day or any day that you pick to birthday, birth, yard site, whatever you want, and that's going to be there forever. Every time we print the book, Right, the other book we sold right now, I heard today we sold about 13,000 copies, which is a lot. Um, so whoever's name is in, what? No, the other book that we, the uh, Gratitude. So 13,000 people are learning, uh, you have that, you have that schus. I think this will do double that. I really do. I, this is like an unbelievable book. But we have 80 pages left out of 360. We have 80 pages left. I can't print until... We have those 80 dedications. This book was supposed to come out for Shoshanah. And then we said it will come out for Hanukkah. And we're still far away from... We still have 80, 80 day dedications and about 8 months dedications. So it's a, it's a very good investment. Whoever's watching, all you need to do is call 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. 718-O-H-R-N-A-V-A. Without the A at the end. Um, or... What is it? 647 I don't know my own number. 6228. So call and Pam will pick it up and we'll, we'll get you your dedication. And if it's not the exact day that you want, it doesn't really matter. Because any day is a day of dedication. Okay, so we got 80 left. The minute we, the minute we sell the 80, 79 actually, we'll go to print. It's ready. The book's done. It's print. It's done. It's written. And everything's done. All right. So Yaakov had a mitzvah. His mother said, "You need to leave because your brother Esav wants to kill you. You need to leave. You need to go to my brother Lavan, and you need to get married." So, Vayetze Yaakov, he left. He did what his mother told him. Vayifka b'amakim. And he came to this place with Haramaria, where that Keda was. The, the always used to go daven there. And he spent the night there. Kivo Hashemesh, because the sun already had set. You all know the story. He took from the stones. He put it around himself to protect him from animals. And he laid down in that place. So the question is, how do putting stones around you protect you from animals? So he laid down, and then he took 12 stones, and he put it around him. And then in the morning, they were all not around him anymore. They were all under his head. They all got together, the rolling stones, and they became one stone. Okay? So the question is like this. How does putting stones around you keep animals from, like, jumping over? Like you think a wolf's going to be like, oh, stone. I'm not. I'm, I guess I'll just, I'll just, I'll just let him sleep because there's a stone in my way. Stone's not going to stop a wolf. So it brings down my, my my one of my friends Moshe Spitzer. Yesterday he asked me this question. He said, "How did the stones protect him?" I said, "I don't know. I, I was as a kid. I know there were stones around it, but stones are not going to protect you. Snakes can go up on over stones. Like so he says that it brings down that the stones." Juan Hamoria were the stones of the Mizbeach that Yitzchak was brought on an Akedah. And since the stones were of a Mizbeach and they were Kadosh, they were very holy, the animals would not touch them. So that's why he protected him. I heard that yesterday. He knew the stones were from the Mizbeach. That was, that was the place of the Akedah. It was Hamoria. That's where they used to go to Daven because it's the holiest place. So he, I guess the Mizbeach either fell apart or he took it apart and he just put it around himself. Okay. Um, question you could ask is it's called Me'ila. You're not allowed to use Kadosh. You're not allowed to use something that's holy for yourself. But maybe at that point it's a Mizbeach and maybe once, once the Akedah uh, happened 
it wasn't holy anymore. And anyway, there was never a carbon. Well, there was a carbon. He took the he took the aisle and 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 brought it on the mizbeach. It's a little bit of a question, right? So it wasn't holy. How to protect them? A little bit of a question that of Meila. Whoever's listening and come up with that answer, what what do we do with Meila that he used the stones to protect himself? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody will send me an email. Oh wait, wait we skipped the pasuk. He had a dream. So there was a ladder on the ground. In the top of the ladder, a ladder has to lean on something. If you put the ladder up straight, it falls right down. It has to lean on a wall on something. Where does, the, where does the ladder lean? On the top of the ladder. If, you, if this is the wall and this is the ladder, so the top of the ladder is what's leaning on the wall. So who's on top of the ladder? Who's, who does the ladder lean on? Hashem. And the angels are going up and down. Hashem was on the top of the ladder. It was leaning on Hashem. And he introduced himself to Yaakov, who was sleeping. He said, So I say this every year. Why was it a ladder? Why wasn't it a stairway to heaven? Or a ramp to heaven, or a road. Come on. Angels are going up and down a ladder. It's, right. So, so, so it doesn't make... A ladder is, a, is, is, is something that firemen go up and down. But angels, I don't think angels are climbing a ladder. And the answer is that a ladder is the only thing that when you go down, you still have to look up. You don't turn around and walk down a ladder, you fall right off. When you go down the ladder, you're going like this. Down the ladder, you're looking up. Hashem was telling Yaakov Levina, you're going to have a lot of problems. Dina and, and Rachel's going to die, and Yosef's going to be kidnapped, and Asaph's going to be chasing you. You have a lot of problems, but you need to know that you're on a ladder. Everybody's on a ladder. So when you're going down, you're still looking up. When you're going up, you're surely looking up. Up and down, you're always looking up. And who's on the top of the ladder that you're looking at? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Emuna, big subject. Everyone has to have Emuna. Not everyone has such good Emuna. It's a little weak sometimes. Let me shake you up a little bit to, to see, you know, when you, you think you have a Muna. So, so, Hashem said, I'm on the top of the ladder. The ladder is life. You go up, you go down. At the end of the day, the one thing that's stationary is the ladder leans on me, says HaKadosh Baruch Okay. He wakes up. He wakes up. He says, He says, Hashem is here? I didn't know that. Girls, every little kid in kindergarten knows Hashem is here, Hashem is there. Hashem is everywhere, up, down, all around, left, right, right? Out of sight. So Hashem is everywhere. You tell me, Yaakov, you know, woke up in the morning and said, Whoa, Hashem is here. Of course Hashem is here. Every little kid knows Hashem is here. What was he saying? I didn't know. Yira. Became very scared. What was he scared of? Wow, this is an amazing holy place. This is the house of God, and this is the gate to Shemayim. Famous question. Maybe I'll leave this, maybe I'll give you homework, everyone. So it said that he woke up from his sleep, right? And now this passage, he woke up in the morning. You told me he woke up already. You can't wake up twice, if you, unless you go back to sleep. You're telling me that he went back to sleep? He said, wow, what a holy place. <sighs> Tonight. So what's going on over here? And? And? Oh, but he didn't do any Jesus here. He didn't go anywhere. So it seems to me that Vayikat is some type of awakening. Not getting up in the morning, but it's an awakening. You can have an awakening in the middle of your sleep without waking up. If you have a dream that, right? So, what does this what does this really mean? Pasi says, "I have a yikat Yaakov Mishnah." So let's see if he actually says something on it. No, he doesn't. and he woke up in the morning. And he took the stone and he made a matzeva. And he put oil 
on the on the stone. He anointed the stone. Let's see if Rashi says in Pasuk Yitches anything on Vayashkem. Let's take a look at Yitches. Where are you, Yitches? Mm, no. So there's an awakening and there's waking up in the morning. Okay. So I'm going to explain it to you. The article says that when it, when it says the Yikat is that he woke up to under, he understood that his dream was a prophecy, that it wasn't just a dream, it's an awareness. The first Vayikat is an awareness, and the Vayash game is, is physically waking up. So what's going on in this whole dream and this whole bit and this whole thing? And there's a very famous question: Where did Yaakov Avinu get the oil to anoint the stones? We know that that Esav sent uh, Eliphaz to kill Yaakov. Eliphaz was, was Esav's son. He was really, really very bad. And he went to kill Yaakov. And when he got to Yaakov, Yaakov said, I'm your Rebbe. How could you kill me? Kill me? So Eliphaz said, what should I do? Kibbut of the Eim. Even though there's no Kibbut of the Eim, if, Hashem, if your parents tell you to do an Avera. But he said, what am I going to do? I'm going to come home. I'm going to come home. My father's going to, Esav didn't play games. I sent you to do something. You didn't do it. I'm going to kill you. So he said that it says that, Ani Chashev Kemes. person who has no money or zero money is considered like you're dead. So take everything I have. Took his clothing, took his gold, took his silver, took everything he had, left him with nothing. It says that he left him in a oasis in the desert, in an oasis, in a pool of water. No clothing. And Yaakov was stuck. He can't go nowhere. He's alone in the middle of a oasis. He's, so a guy came. Yeah, Ruth is in my share for a long time. So, so it's, it says there was a miracle that an Arab sheik came to the water to, 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 to bathe and he took off all his clothing and he drowned. And that Yaakov took the, the sheik's clothing and he ran to Shem Be'ever because he was scared that if someone saw him, they would say, you drowned the guy, you killed him, and you took his clothing. But that's how he got his clothing. So Imamish left him with nothing. So the famous question is, if he had oil to anoint the stone, where did he get the oil from? He took everything. took all his money, took everything. How did he have oil? Very famous oil. So we're going to learn about it today. Okay, so that's, what, that's what's going on. Now what, what's really going on over here is, Yaakov was coming from Yeshiva. Yaakov was Yeshev Ohalem. Yaakov was in the Himmel, was in, was in the sky, was in Shemayim. He knew that that in Shemayim, spirituality, Gainedin, Hashem, that, that that world is the holy world. This world stinks. This world's not the holy world. This is full of Toma and Averis and, 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 and all kinds of terrible things that are going on in this world. That world is holy. This world is filthy. But he realized, and this was very important for Yaakov, that you're not supposed to be living in that world. That world's after you're living. When you live, you're supposed to live in this world, and you're supposed to make this world into that world. So what happened was, he said, Hashem is here! Not where kids point up, Hashem is there. Very famous story that I had with a little boy. I don't know if I've ever said it here. I think I said it a while ago. He said, I didn't know that. I, I thought it's all about the next world. I didn't know it's about this world. Vayira. Became very scared. One second. If Hashem is here and the Kedusha is supposed to be here, this is the house of Hashem. That's the gate to the next world. But that's not where Hashem hangs out. Hashem hangs out in this world. This is Hashem's world. If this is Hashem's world, then I have to be a Tznua. I have to be careful what I say. I have to be careful how I dress. I have to be careful how I behave. It's not like in this world I can do whatever I want. No. And he realized that it's very different than his perception that Kedusha is in that world, Tumma is in this world. No. Hashem lives in this world. But I'll tell you a story that happened. In what grade was this little boy? This little boy was in first grade in Yeshiva of Crown Heights. So it had to happen, because I'm out of there already 10 years. So I would say it happened 15 years ago. So I was assistant principal, and I used to go visit the little kids. I used to, to, I like to go talk to little kids. So I went to first grade. I used to go to first grade like once every week. 
just to tell a story before I started my class after davening. And I don't know what, why I did it, but one day I come into the class. There's this one kid in the class. I remember he was sitting all the way in the left-hand corner in the back, a total schlemazel, like like his scissors were hanging out of his pants, and his socks never were the same matched, and his shoes were on left row on the right and the right on the left, and he had he had like tuna fish sandwiches in his in his in his briefcase that were green, they were penicillin already. It's like one of the really schlumpy kids. His hair was never brushed. He was like really, you know, like wiping his nose with his jacket the whole time. One of those guys, and they put him in the corner. They put him in the corner, and I walked into the room. I'll never forget it. One of the biggest lessons I ever learned in my life was from this child, and it's it's Mamaj this week's parsha. And I went I went over to the first kid. I said, "Where's Hashem?" And he's like. Went over to the next kid. Where's Hashem? Girls and, girls and boys, until fifth grade, they were mixed. And I went through the whole class, and everyone's like, everywhere. The one kid started singing, Hashem is here, Hashem is everywhere. So then every single kid I asked sang the same song. <laughs> this is a true story. Hashem's my witness. I came to this last kid who's never had a very tough life. And I'm like, so Yankala, where's Hashem? And he goes, in, my, in his heart. He points to his heart. The only kid in the whole class. I said, he's not there? He goes, no. He's here. I'm like, how do you know that? And like the teacher was like, I said, how do you know that? Did, did someone tell you that? He goes, no. I'm like, no one told you that? He goes, no. I said, so how do you know that? He goes, because I feel him there. Oh, wow. wow. So, this is a true story. So I walked out of there and I'm like, because I'm a thinker when I get a chance, when the phone stops ringing. And I'm like, why? Why one kid out of 25 said here and the other 24 said there? So you know why? Because this kid's in a lot of pain. So he's always talking to Hashem. Little kids who are in pain, they're like, Hashem, can you help me? Hashem, can you take my test for me? Can you eat my tuna fish sandwich for me? I don't like tuna. My mother keeps making it. Right? And so he felt Hashem because he didn't have an easy life. And when you don't have an easy life, that's where you go to. And when you go to more and more. So he, mamish, first grader, mamish said, I feel Hashem. How many of the girls in this room feel Hashem? How many people feel Hashem? So if I was to ask where's Hashem, most of us would say in Shemayim. Says Yaakov Avino, no, no, Hashem is here in this place. The problem is, girls, we don't know it. This place is amazing. This world is amazing. This is a fantastic place. Why? This is God's house. You're all in God's house, everybody. It's scary. Even Yaakov Levino said it's scary, and I'm going to read you a very scary medrash tonight where Yaakov Levino was very scared. This Shana Shemayim, this is the gate, ladies. This is the gate. This world is the gate to get into Shemayim. This is the gate to get into Shemayim. Mess up here, you don't get past the gate. Uh, Yaakov was scared a little bit about that. You know, Hashem's up there and everything's up there, okay? You're Hashem, I'm here, I live on this earth, you're in Shemayim, you know, we don't exactly understand each other, I don't understand you exactly. So no, no, and that was a epiphany, I think you call it, right? That was the opening of his mind. He was physically waking up. But this perception of understanding that this is Hashem's house, you're in God's house, you don't have to be by the Kosovo. You don't have to be in Yerushalayim. The whole world is God's house. You're always in God's house. That's why you always have to be at Tznuwa. That's why you always have to have a mezuzah on your door and, and, and all these other things. And It's interesting. I, um, a rabbi once got up. I was in a hotel on a Shabbaton. And a rabbi got up and he said, how many people in the hotel? It was Friday night, I remember. No, it was not Friday night. It was Shabbos afternoon. He said, how many people in this hotel... It bothers them that there's no mezuzah on your door. And I said, you know what? Every time I walk out the door, I put my hand there. 
And when I go out of a store, like I was in the cleaners this morning, Goisha cleaners, Spanish cleaners, and I put my hand on the door, like, why would he have a mezuzah, right? But I'm so used to being a mezuzah there. So he said, like, how many people miss that there's no mezuzah? If you don't miss it, then you're not connected to it. Anyway, so that's what Yaakov Avinu said. Okay, now, let's learn an amazing, I, I've learned this before, but it's an amazing Medrash Tanchuma, Pasha Vayetze. He says the following. There was a, he had a dream, and there was a ladder on the floor, and the head of it was on the Shemayim. Who are these Malachim? Anyone know here? Who are these angels going up and down? Huh? Which one? The what? Gullius? That's okay. But who are the actual angels? Malachim. Those are the Sarim. Two of them. Two of the angels that came to him, they did a big sin. You know what they did wrong? Two of the angels that went to Sodom, the two angels that went to Sodom, they made a very big mistake. And for 130 years, they were stuck on earth. Okay, let's see what, let's see who these were. The Rush says, Dove Nifla, something amazing. Hamalachim Shalom Basulam, the angels, these, the two angels we're talking about, not up and down all the time, but the two angels that he saw, Hayishnei Malachi Chabala, they were, they were bad Malachim. Fire Malachim. Azel Ba'azazel, Ba'azazel. Menafilim Shiyodulayz be made Dorenish and Menekain. So in the times of, there were these two angels and they told Hashem, human beings are so bad, they're so rotten, they, they're immoral. Hashem said, if you were in the world, you'd be worse. And they said, no, no, throw us into the world. You'll see, we're angels. We went, we're not like humans. And they're called the Nephilim. Hashem threw them, Nephilim, they fell from heaven. Two angels that fell from heaven. They were Azza and Azal. They were really bad. Ubo Eitzel Nara Mesula Tzedekes. They saw this beautiful girl. Don't forget, they were, now they were human. They were... Azza? You shouldn't write it. You shouldn't say it. It's not, it's not a good thing. No, you shouldn't write it. No, it's not, it's not a good name. They're not good, good, good angels. When you call, when you say an angel's name, so you bring them down a little bit. They met this girl. They met this beautiful girl. And they wanted to be with her. She said to them, this you will not hear anyone, only by Rabbi Wallerstein Shiram. From this book, Please Atayra. She said, time out. You want to be with me? Physically, you want to be with me? I'm not going to listen to you. Unless you give me your wings. I'm reading it from inside. So here's the deal. You want to be with me? I want your wings. And I'm not talking about stewardess pilot wings. I'm not talking about pilot's wings. But They gave her their wings. The angel wings. And she flew up to heaven. So they didn't get her. The ex of Peneki Sekovoy. And then she ran to Hashem and she said, These guys wanted to attack me. Help me, protect me. She came to the throne of Hashem. Hakarj Baruchu, God, Parashaleha Anyin Shalow. He covered her with a cloud. The kibla the cover bimazolois. And he turned her into no a uh, an, uh, what's a, ma- a mazel is a um, like Libra uh, horse, uh, what? A zodiac a zodiac a zodiac. but now you have these two angels who have no wings they're stuck they lost their wings now they had no wings they couldn't get back to heaven so they couldn't get back to heaven because they couldn't fly up to heaven but now there was a ladder in in his dream, they could walk up the ladder. They didn't have to fly. So they saw the ladder that Yaakovino had dreamt. And they went on up it. And they and they went on the ladder. And Hashem threw him down. And that's who they were. Because in the other world, you can travel in Machshava. So they were angelic. But they were also human, and they, they this this ladder might have been real. He dreamt it, but there was it was a real ladder. They were going up and down on a ladder, 
So, that's one, one shot. That's from the Rush. Whoever's listening. Oh, and he says, they, this girl became the Mazel Besula. The, the zodiac sign of Elul. Huh? Virgo. She became, Libra? No, it's, it's Elul. Elul is, Elul is like August. August, September? September. Virgo. So Hua Mazel, she became the Sula, Virgo, Hashem, Bechadish Who's, who's, who has the zodiac of, of Chodeshel. Okay. That's the rush. The Medrash Rabbah, Tagim Yonison says, these were the two Malachim that turned over Sidon. And they were, they were, they were stuck on earth for 138 years. Nay, why? Why were they punished? Because when, when they came to Lot, they said, Kimashchisim, because we, when they went to Saddam, they said, we too, us too, are going to destroy this place. You're not destroying anything. Hashem's destroying the place. So they took the power that they were destroying the place, so they were punished, they were exiled for 138 years. Interesting. Okay, anyway, um, so let's go back to where we were. So, so he has this dream. And... He sees in his dream the Babylonians, Bavel. So in this dream, the, the, the angels that were going up, every nation in the world has a guardian angel. Okay? So he was watching all the guardian angels of all the other nations in the world. So the first one was Bavel. He went up 70 steps and then he was thrown off the ladder. Shalmadai. Madai is Persia, Iran. Chamish Mushnayim. They went up 52 steps. The Yairid, and they were thrown down. Yavan, the Greeks, they went up Maya, 100 steps. The Yairid, and they were thrown down. Shal Edom, which is this Golos that we're in right now. Allah, Ulayodakama. He just saw him going up and up and up, and he couldn't count how many. That's Edom. That's the last Golos. That moment, Yaakov became very scared. He said, Maybe Hashem's not going to throw off Edom and they're going to destroy us. Hashem said to him in the dream, You don't worry about anything. Don't worry about Edom. I got your back. I got you covered. Even if you see Edom go all the way to the top of the ladder, to me, I'm still going to throw him down. Okay? So you have nothing to worry about. We live from here. Hashem showed Yaakov Avinu, the king, the leader of of uh, the angel of the guardian angel of Bavel, go up, thrown off. Madai, Eilev Yorid, go up, thrown off. Yavon, Eilev Yorid, thrown off. Mishal Edom, Eilev Yorid, and he saw even Edom thrown off. This is very important for everyone. This is the point I want to make. Hashem said to Yaakov, Yaakov, get on the ladder. Hashem told Yaakov, they all got up. They all got thrown off. Now it's the Jewish, Jews, Jews' turn. Yaakov, Lama ena toile. Why aren't you getting on the ladder? Amar Yaakov, be Isa Shah, and this Yari Avino Yaakov Amar, Yaakov became very scared. And he said, Kishem Shiyesh Le'elo Yerida, just like you threw these guys down, Kachani Yesh You're going to throw me down too. I don't want to get thrown off. Very fascinating day today in my seminary. We got into a sub, just interesting, because you're saying over here, like, like, so, so, so you'll get thrown off. If you don't get on, it's worse that, you didn't get to the, you didn't get, they had 50 years, and then they got thrown off. They had, the Greeks had 100 years, and they got thrown off. If you don't get on, you have nothing. So get 100 years, and get thrown off, but at least you got 100 years. Like, what are you doing? 
Why aren't you getting on? Hashem said, why aren't you getting on? Hashem said to him, Hashem said to him, you have my word. If you get on this ladder, I'm not taking you down. Beautiful, right? Perfect. The loy Hamin and Yaakov Avinu did not believe Hashem. The loy Allah and he didn't get on the ladder. How could that be? How could that be? Hashem told him to get on the ladder. I got you back. God told him, I got you back. He's Yaakov Avinu. He's like, no, I'm not going. So today we had a whole discussion, interesting discussion. It's not for tonight. Um, in seminary, one of my classes, better to have loved and lost or to never have loved at all. What's better, to have loved someone and then lost them, chas v'shalom, and have all that pain or never have that pain? So a very smart man, I was very deep into this discussion once, and a very smart man got up and said, if you choose between the two to never have loved at all, it definitely means you have never loved. If you choose between the two to never have loved at all, then you have never ha- you have never loved. In other words, if you right, if you choose, if you choose, and you don't know if you choose, I'd rather no feelings than have feelings and get hurt. Right, then you never had feelings. Because a person who has feelings, a person who had feelings ever for anybody, for any, loved anything, would never say, "I'd rather have never loved at all." The only people that will say it is like, like if you never ate watermelon, so you don't mind saying, "I'll never eat watermelon." But if you ever ate what, I'm just giving you an example. It's not the same thing. So we got into a whole discussion about. So so what's the what's the why? Why? Why would you say that? Like, what kind of statement is that? That if you, if you choose never to have loved at all, means you never have loved at all. And the answer is that never, as a human being, to have those feelings. First of all, you can't have any relationships. You can't have a relationship with Hashem. It says, to Hashem. It says right? If you, if, you, if you never experienced it, then you missed something very important in being a human being, an, an emotional have, an emotional relationship. So, so, it's something that you just miss and you don't have. But if you had it and you lost it, the reason the person was saying that you should choose to have loved and lost is because, and this is what he said, if you have loved and lost, you can love again. If you have never loved, you'll never love. It changes everything. Any relationship. Any relationship whatsoever. You understand what he's saying? He's saying then you... If you have loved and lost, you can love again. If you have never loved, then you have no love. I would think the opposite, but there's someone, someone that gets hurt after their love wouldn't want it, like, it's hard for them to, like, move on. So someone that would say... Right, but, deep, but really deep down, if they peel the onion, they want to be loved again. But sometimes for people, the pain is worse. Right, so, that's, so then you take, your, you take your emotions, you put it in a closet, and you close the door because you don't want to get hurt. And then you have to get a, either a good therapist or you have to work with yourself to open that door of emotion and take a little dirty laundry out at a time so it doesn't all come down on your head. But to live your life emotionless is, is just a wasted life. To live a cold, unemotional life. So that's why when people go through trauma and they shut down emotionally, the job of the therapist or whoever's working, or the person themselves have to work on themselves to get back to that. I do, I do a lot of shalom bias. Rabbi Ruben Epstein does a lot of shalom bias also. Sometimes we sit on cases together. So, so there, there, there are couples that come to us and they're killing each other and they hate each other and they want to get divorced and it looks like it's not repairable. It's not repairable. And they're coming because they want to get divorced. My first question, how long are you married? Let's say 10 years. It doesn't matter how long. I'm like, did you ever have a good time together? Ever have a good time together? The first year you were married, while you were engaged, right? You liked her, like, and and sometimes they say, from the minute I was under the chuppah until today, I have no feelings for this person. Never had feelings. Why did you get married? My friend got married, pressure. I knew already it wasn't going to be good, but I didn't want to break the engagement. All different stories. So I don't have a reference point 
to bring you back to a good thing. You never had a good thing. It's like, you have to get divorced. I have nowhere to go. But if you had the first year, you were like crazy about each other. And then your parents got involved, and that one got involved, and this one got involved, and you now you're fighting for the last 12 years. But Rabbi, the first year, we were like glue. Like she was everything. He was everything. Then we're going to fight for that marriage. Because you loved, you lost, but we can get it back because it was once there. If it was never there, th- there's no reference point. Where, where, where are we going? We're going back to under the chuppah? Where you, where you didn't like each other already? Where are we going? There's nowhere to go. Let's get them out of this. So it's a, it's a, it's a reference point. So here, Jacob Avinu was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, it seems to be what he's saying is, I'm not going a hundred steps and then getting thrown off, and getting thrown off. I'm not going at all. So it sounds like he's choosing never to have loved at all. So something's going on over here. Hashem said to him, I have your back, and he's, he's not, he's not getting on the ladder. We're going to see why. There was a much deeper reason. It wasn't because he was scared. Nagovino wasn't scared of anything. He wasn't scared of Esau. He wasn't scared of anybody. So, Rav Shmuel ben Yosein, Hashem said, you don't believe in me? I'm telling you to get on the ladder. I'm telling you I got your back. And you're staying off the ladder? I'm like, Baruch Hu, you made a big mistake. Ilo Lisa Vehemanta, if you would have gone onto the ladder and you would have believed in me, I was never going to throw you off the ladder. You were worried that all the other, the Greeks and the Persians and all these other empires got thrown off. Oh, you're going to throw me off also. Had you gotten onto the ladder, you would have gone all the way to the top. Kleistral would have never gone into Golos. Since you did not believe in me, Harry Banacha, your children, that you're gonna, you didn't want to get on the ladder? These four that went on the ladder and got thrown off, your children are gonna end up being engulfed under them. Now, why didn't he get on the ladder? The answer is, he, he didn't look at the empires of being thrown off. That's not what he was worried about. He heard what Hashem said. Hashem said, I'm never going to throw you off. I have your back. But Yaakov Levinu knew God's relationship with us. And that God, like Kleisrael, is going to climb the ladder and they're going to do mitzvahs and they're going to be tznuah. And they're not going to talk Lashon Hara. They're not going to steal. And they're not going to do any Averis. And they're going to be on this ladder. And Yaakov was like, no. My children are tzaddikim and everything, but there's going to be generations. And they're going to do all kinds of Averis. And Hashem, you're, you're MS. And you're Din. And the other nations are going to come and say, you threw us off the ladder. The Jews are doing this sin. The Jews are doing this sin. And you're going to have to throw us off the ladder. Because you're MS and we're going to sin. I'd rather not put you through it, Hashem, but you have to throw your children off the ladder. It came from a very different place. Yaakov Avinu was saying to Hashem, you, you think they're great, everything's going to be great, they're going to go up the ladder, they're going to stay on top, it's Klai Yisrael. But Yaakov was like, but it's not the way it's going to be. Because my children are going to sin. And you are MS. And the other Malachim are going to come to you and say, you can't be, you can't fit, no favoritism. And you're going to have to take them and throw them off the ladder. So I don't want to do that to you, Hashem. So we're just not going to get on the ladder altogether. That's why Yaakov did it. What was the Avera? And this is to everyone that's sitting here. Don't make shashbainus. How do you say that in English? Shashbainus in English. How do you say that? Right. Don't make calculations when God tells you something. I want to do the right thing, and that's what Hashem wants, and that. No, Hashem said, get on the ladder. No, but I don't want to hurt you, Hashem. We're going to do sins, and then we're going to be bad. And so he, he's really a big tzaddik, Yaakov Avino. He's really doing the right thing. He's like, Hashem, I don't want to force you into doing something that you don't want to do. Hashem's like, no. And that's a lesson for all of us. Don't make cheshbainus. If that's the mitzvah, that's what it says, don't, don't be, I'll be nice to Hashem. If Hashem tells you, you can't do this, you could do this, you can't do that, it's not a question of being nice. You have to do what you have to do. And that was his mistake. His mistake was, 
Then he made chesbonus. Okay. It's a very fascinating. So, so when you're scared, sometimes you're scared of stuff. If Yaakov Avinu was scared, you can also be scared. You know, you have to work through it. But yeah, you can be scared. Now, I, there's something that I spoke at the Agoda Convention. I'm going to end with that, which has to do with this, which is very connected to this. This is about the oil. Okay, so I'll just or, I'll I'll answer you. I'll answer you about where this oil came from. Okay, the oil came from the following. Wait, so so. He took everything away from him, but the only thing he left him, he said to him, could you just leave me my stick? Uh, not, no clothing, it's not worth anything, it's a stick, it has no value. But when I, when I walk, I need a walking stick. So you want to take my clothing, my shoes, my gold, my silver, everything, take everything. But on my walking stick, you got to leave me. What Eliphaz didn't know was that the walking stick was hollow. And in the walking stick, he had a jar of oil. Because Yaakov Avino always wanted to learn, he wanted to learn at night also. So he needed oil to burn the light. But that no, he didn't know that because it was a hollow stick. So that's the stick that he had. Now in that, that oil, that oil had a miracle that when you poured it, um, it continually poured. It was actually created in the beginning of the world and that it continually poured and refilled itself. So it was used for the Mishkan, the Kalev, the Mizbeach, the Beis HaMikdash, all the kings, for everybody. It was the oil that um, that whole miracle happened. You remember with the pots that kept filling up with, I think it was Elisha, that the pots kept filling up with oil in the poor lady's house. That was the same oil. And the pach of Shemen that they found in the Beis Hamigdash with the Kohen Gadol seal, which is Hanukkah, was that jar of oil. And therefore... That answers, see, it's connected to Hanukkah very much. It was, that, it, was that, it was that can of oil, and it answers the famous question, why do you celebrate eight days of Hanukkah? The first day wasn't the miracle. You had enough oil for one day. So if you had enough oil for one day and it lasted eight days, the miracle is only seven days. Because this oil, the first day, when they poured it out, it refilled. So that even happened on the first day. So therefore, there were eight days of miracles. So that's how they're, that's how they're connected. Okay. Uh, what else I wanted to I wanted to tell you one more thing. Oh, what happened by the by the Agoda Convention? So just a short about uh, Emuna. It's very important for all of us because we're always trying to figure everything out. I'm going to read you something from the parsha, but I'm also going to read you something from a little safer that I brought tonight. Whoever can see it, this is the Beis Halevi safer on the. Mitzvah of Bitochon, of having Bitochon. He says something very fascinating. He says a lot of things that are fascinating. I say this every morning. We're going to learn through this in the next couple of weeks, but I just want to start with the opening. Before you even start reading the book, when a person puts in his heart, Hashem Hu Elohim, Hamiti, God is the true God, there is no other strength in the world. And all the worlds are one. It's all about his achdus. And you are mevatel yourself to him. And you don't worry about any other strength, politics. Nobody can hurt you. And you cleanse your, your thought process. Only to Hashem. Hashem will give you whatever you need. Nothing in the world, no bad malachim, no bad people can hurt you. Now he brings in here about Yosef HaTzadik. And he says, very interesting, that everybody thinks the dream that Paro had, Paro had a dream, and he had the seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and that's what got Yosef out of jail. He says it's the other way around, very fascinating way of thinking. He says, Yosef, it's not the dream of Paro that got Yosef out of jail, it's Yosef getting out of jail that caused Paro to have the dream. It's the opposite way around. So things that, the, the things that happened to us happen, not because that happened, something happened to me, but because of what has to happen to me, something happened to that. Well, where, where do we see this? We see this 
And this is what I spoke about by the Gerda Convention. Just one little short word. The brothers, at the end of Pasha Vayichi, the brothers were very scared that Yosef was going to take revenge. They sold him. First they threw him into a bar. They tried to kill him with snakes and scorpions. Then they took him out of the scorpions and they sold him down to Mitzrayim and they didn't even come looking for him until they had to come down that there was a there was a famine, right? So they were very scared that after their father, as long as their father's alive, he's not going to take revenge. But after their father dies, Yosef's going to take revenge. You guys sold me, you guys tried to kill me. Forget about it, right? So the brothers say to him, I want to read to you from inside. This is what they said to Yosef. Anna, please, forgive the spiteful deeds of your brothers. They're talking to Yosef. Because we, uh, we've done you bad. Really bad. Please forgive us. Yosef was crying. Like, what are you talking about? Now, Yosef shouldn't have been crying. They should have been crying. They're saying to him, sorry, we're so sorry. Please don't, you know, don't punish us. Please forgive us. And all his brothers bowed down to him and fell on their faces. We're so sorry. Just don't kill us. We'll be servants to you. Okay? And this is how everyone has to leave their life. And Yosef said, brothers, you don't get it. Altiro, you have nothing to worry about. And this is what he says. Do you think I'm God? Do you, do you think that what you did to me was up to you? No. You had a mind to hurt me. Elokim Hashem did this whole thing for the good because Yosef came to Mitzrayim and he saved the whole world. He put away the food for the seven years. He said, you think it was your idea to sell me to Mitzrayim? It wasn't your idea. Hashem had to get me to Mitzrayim. So he had you sell me. Because I'm here to save the whole world. Oh, They were comforted. And he spoke to their heart. Nobody could hurt you. Unless Hashem signs off on it. And sometimes the stuff that happens, people have in mind to hurt you, but really it, it has a whole different purpose. So, so instead of carrying around grudges and hate and anger on your shoulders, I'm here to punish you. I'm here to get revenge. I'm here to be angry at you. I'm here not to talk to you. I'm not God. Nobody can touch a hair on your head unless Hashem signs off on it. No one can hurt you. I. Why does that person get punished then? Because because anyone who's used as a tool to hurt you is a hurtful person. They're not going to have Rav Chaim Kainesi come here and hurt you. He's not a hurtful person. So the person has the meter to hurt people, so Hashem uses that person to hurt you for whatever reason. But nobody can steal from you. Nobody can take from you. Nobody can insult you. Nobody can hurt you. Unless Hashem signed off on it. So your understanding has to be, I'm going to punish you. You have to bow down to me. You have to apologize to me. So you have to apologize to me, not for me. You have to apologize for you. And you apologize to me is to make you a better person. I don't need the apology. Hashem doesn't need your apology. When you say to Hashem, I sinned, I thought, well, he needs that. He doesn't need that. It's for you to say, I sinned, and I did bad, and I don't want, I don't want to do bad anymore. Not for him. He doesn't need that. What do you want to ask? Big question. That's a very big Bechira question. According to Yosef, Yosef telling his brothers, you didn't have Bechira. There's no, no difference between today's days and those days. Because they're bad. But who made them bad then? They did. Yeah. What? Yes, you can do you can do bad, but you can't hurt. But you can't. You don't have permission. You can you can do bad, but you don't have permission to hurt me. 
Over you don't. A hundred percent. Right. A hundred percent. You're when Hashem needs someone to steal from your house, okay. He goes into the room of Ganavim. He's not going into my room. I'm not stealing from your house. But he's going into people who steal. And that person, that's why Avera, Guerreras Avera, because you're stealing, you're a Ganav. So if, if Hashem needs a Ganav, he looks for the Ganav. Can you say no? Yes. Will you say no if you're a Ganav and the money's in front of you? Probably not. That's what it means, Avera, Guerreras Avera. So, right, so, so, so the... The question again is, you went ahead and you stole from, you hurt me. You insulted me now, right? So why are you being punished? If Hashem used you to hurt me, it's not your fault. The answer is, you chose to be an, a person that insults people. So he's, he went and found you because you're a bad person. So you caused that. You chose that. He's not going to, the tzaddik in the, in the room is not going to insult me. The tzaddik is in the room. You're a Baal Lashon Hara. Now, I need to be insulted. Let's say it's, it's written to me that could save your life. You get insulted and you don't answer. could save your life. Hashem said, i got to save Wallerstein's life. So someone in this class or someone out there, right, needs to insult him publicly. And he won't answer and that will save his life. Now, is Hashem going to you? You are not going to insult me. But there's some blogger out there that insults rabbis. Now she's already insulting rabbis. She's doing a very not nice thing by insulting rabbis. So now that blogger is going to be used to insult me. But that she became, that she insults everybody all the time, that is her choice. But now that's the person that's, the, the girls in this room are not getting up. Maybe some, maybe they are, I don't know. But that's not what they're going to do. So that's, but the whole thing of Bechir is a very tricky, uh, the Rambam and this and that. But he paskins he paskins, he says it's hard to understand, but everyone has Bechir. But if you do a lot of bad stuff, Avera Gerez Avera, so where's the Bechira? If a sin causes a sin, so where's the Bechira? And the answer is, if you cause a sin, you open that up, you're, 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 you're desensitized to it, and it's going to cause you to do something else. You do have Bechira. Listen, an alcoholic is human. He's not a monkey. He's a human being. He's an alcoholic. Does he have Bechira? Does he have Bechira if you put alcohol in front of him? But he has Bechira, but he doesn't have Bechira. So there's a... Right. So, it's, so, so a human being has Bechira, but you can put yourself in a position that you keep doing the same thing over and over that it becomes an addiction, and you lose your Bechira. You're still a human. He could say no. We, we could have a miracle here. He might say no, but 99.99.99%, no one's in the room. There's a bottle of alcohol. He's an alcoholic. He's going to drink it. Who caused him to be an alcoholic? He did. He drank, he drank, he drank, and he keeps drinking, so he can't stop drinking. Anyway, you should all be matzliach, and um, I'll give you a bracha. I'll give you a bracha. Kodesh Bochu should always be at the top of your ladder, and you should be at the top of your ladder. Matzliach. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.